Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Santos Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? If people are tuning in, it looks like you got a new athletic sweatshirt. Is that new? I did. They sent it to me in the mail. Yes. Very nice. They even have the athletic embroidered on the uh, sleeve here. Jeez Louise. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Hey, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for one dollar a month for six months. It's the the deal won't get better, I promise you. So you should do that right now. It's basically nothing. You won't even notice that it's coming out of your bank account. I promise. Do that. Uh Al, we've got some injuries. Yeah. We've we've got some uh I, I don't I mean, isn't is a surgery a uh a lever? I got a lot of lever uh no it's it's not i, I was so confused by the reaction like the the, the the like oh this is a tank move reaction is mm-hmm. so bizarre because yeah. like no the tank move would be if they weren't hurt and yeah. they really did just have like a sore hip and were just hanging out yeah if they're the just fact chilling. that all these guys ended up having surgery is kind of uh i mean if it was spread out it wouldn't be shocking because we already knew about mike muscala they had already told us oh he'll probably get surgery in the right. off season mike told and us we, that <laughs> yeah and we were wondering well why, why would you just get it now like, yeah what are you waiting for man yeah get your so surgery about that one get right for so, next season it was really just the fact that they released all three of them at once and the fact that they were all on the same day yeah. but all in different cities i mean that was the, like the unique like i guess interesting part of it yeah did you hear but, why they had them del- there was i guess they could have had them I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, but did you hear why it was delayed? Well, because I heard the NFL Combine thing. Because, yeah, because of the NFL Combine, which is an interesting explanation that all, like, all these docs are, and I guess it makes sense, like all these orthopedic docs are, you know, at the NFL Combine. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I wouldn't have ever thought of that. I, I yeah I mean I had no idea when they initially announced it I couldn't come up with an idea of why all of this would happen at once in different cities <laughs> and so I was just happy to get some explanation because usually they would just not say anything and we would just be like super confused at least that sort of makes sense yeah yeah 
At least we're not in a basely, you know, broken scapula situation. Well, I mean, that's kind of what the Lou Dort thing ended up being, because we didn't really have any details on that until this. I yeah. mean, a, a, sh- a shoulder strain yeah. doesn't sound that bad in the same way that like whatever they said Baisley had like a short sh- shoulder or whatever. So from what I heard, they, they didn't know that it was torn until recently. Like it was, they, I don't think that they've known for a long time Yeah, on that. I, so I don't, I don't know. I'm certainly they've known longer than we have, but I don't right. know. I don't think that they've known for a super long time. And and that's fine. It's more now looking at Josh, you're like, oh, what's wrong with Josh? I know. I was asking around a little bit, and they're like, yeah, we've told you that we'd tell you in two weeks. So, because uh, Ty Jerome also was out with hip soreness. It was the other hip, not yes. Josh's hip. Yes. And uh, and his turned into a sports hernia. Uh huh. Um, which in the grand scheme of things isn't a huge deal. Yeah. Like that. That's not like a major injury or anything. Yeah. Um. So I don't think we, I, I'm not going to assume that that's what Josh has, but it's just, you know. It'd be a bummer if you, it was. It would be a bummer. But like last year with Shea, one, plantar fasciitis is something you can Google. There's a <laughs> Wikipedia page for it. You can read about it. It's a, it's a condition. We also sure. saw him in a boot. We did. Hip soreness is just this like nebulous thing that could be a ton of things. I mean, my mind, of course, immediately goes to Isaiah Thomas, who probably had a sore hip. And then it turns out he had major hip issues and hasn't been able to really play at that level ever again. Yeah. So like hip soreness could be something that extreme or it could be something relatively, you know, fixable short term. Yeah. And I'm just, the longer it goes on, the more worried I get because you can get away with just saying hip soreness for like a week or two. But Mm -hmm. then after that, now you start wondering, okay, well, it's not just like a bruised hip. Yeah. It must be something. And that's where you start getting worried. Yeah. I wish I, had, I wish I had more to say than I don't know. Hmm. hmm. Interesting, Andrew. So you, you you're not hiding anything from us. Not hiding one thing from mm. you or anybody mm. else. I I would love to see Josh play with Shea, though, especially with how good Shea is right now, and the fact that he's essentially playing games with the blue right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I want to see him because if there's any downside to what Shea is doing right now. It's that it it just, it's the question in your head, like, would this work with Josh? Because Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people say it would work with Josh um, because, you know, he's, he he is still playing a little off ball. He doesn't, you know, interestingly, like think about when Russ was on this team, he brought the ball up the court, like 99% of the time. Yeah. That's not the case with Shea. Like sometimes he'll start off ball, uh-huh. come off a screen or something. Same thing with Trey Mann. Yeah. Um, he'll get it back. But yeah. one like interesting context to all this is that during this seven game stretch, his usage has been close to 38%. Yeah. Which to put that in context, Russell Westbrook only went over 38% twice in his career. Sure. Over a full season. So it, it's it, by complete necessity, though. It is by complete necessity. At the same time, he's been way better than he's ever been before at that usage. It's been really good. (laughs) And that's where I start wondering, because it's like he is playing like the heliocentric kind of role right now for this team, a la Luca or James Harden, 
Like, and it's working out really well. Yeah. Higher usage than he's ever played with before. But clearly, or I don't know, because clearly, like, is that is that the best thing for the team going forward? Or is it not? And he, but he's looked so good in that role with that increased usage. Well, I'll ask you this. Who is the, the player that helped James Harden get the furthest in the playoffs? Uh... Well, in Houston or period CP. What? Oh well, no. I mean, it's Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Andrew, we t- we we went to the finals as a Andrew. heliocentric player. Yes, it it was it was Chris Paul as like the the guy. That's where I mean. Yes, I could see a world where Shea is like the primary guy, and his usage is like thirty three percent, and he's got just all these weapons around him. Yeah. However, like where who was the last guy to like get to the finals as that guy with just by himself and everybody else is like a role player? No, I agree. Like, I mean, I think of Luca that way. Like, I, I feel like Luca could potentially be that person to get to the finals yeah. playing that role. But they just traded their second best player for like they were. Like, we just need more ball handlers. We need more guys to to have the ball. Right. You know. Right. So. But it has. Yeah, no. It actually hasn't lowered Luca's usage. His usage is like through the roof right now. I think it's like forty percent. Yeah, I I just think it's interesting because yeah, for him to have this wildly, this wild increase in usage because pre All Star he was at like twenty nine, so now he's at thirty seven, and for him to get so much more efficient, mm-hmm. I mean, part of that is just like he would have become more efficient regardless of who he's playing with because he was relatively inefficient compared to his standards at the beginning of the season. Yeah. That was probably going to normalize regardless, but for him to have be this efficient with this usage is just kind of like opening my eyes a little bit. Like what could, what could Shay be mm-hmm. like? Could how, how successful could he be in this role? <laughs> if you surrounded him with players who work in that kind of a system and like, cause you see it with like uh, Isaiah Roby even, but Lindy waters, especially mm-hmm. like these release valve type players, Mike Muscala was that as well. Mm-hmm. Like just wide open threes yeah. whenever they really want them. Yeah. I no, mean, I was true. That's, that's I was what shocked they need to do in the draft is to get guys that can be those release valves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, obviously, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people are really high on, on Roby and, and waters and, you know, maybe they'll end up making an NBA team. Maybe it's the Thunder, Andrew. I'm trying to. I'm trying to we're getting getting like blown out so i don't want to get like too excited about any of these guys (laughs) don't yeah don't don't do that but i will say this i will say this uh isaiah roby set some great screens last night because i swear on every single screen they were getting major separation and the bucks were playing like dropping which makes sense because you you worried about shea driving to the hoop but so at as a result, Shea would be like in the middle of the paint with like no one around him and could just decide what he wanted to do on every single play. Yep. And and part of that is credit to Roby. He was he was really nice. Yeah. They did the same thing against the Jazz, where the Jazz drop all the way down and the mid range is wide open. He just it, I mean, he's automatic. I mean, he's shooting fifty four and a half percent from the mid range since he's come back from the all star break. Yeah, and seventy six point five percent in the restricted area. Seventy six, yeah, it's crazy. He was sixty percent, which is you know still solid for a guard. Yeah, but seventy six point five. I mean, that's like like DeAndre Ayton 
numbers yeah. that he's putting up around the rim. And he's and it's not like it's no attempts. Like Aaron Wiggins is eight of ten. You yeah, know? <laughs> he's twenty six of thirty four. Yeah, it's it's interesting. He's also forty percent from on above the break threes. Ten of twenty five. He hit that deep three last night. It's like why is he pulling that? And then the swish. I mean, he's just he is really feeling it. And I asked him about that last night. If he do you do you feel the progress on the court that you've made? Like what's that what's that like? And he said that he just feels like he's he's in a really good rhythm right now. Feels really good. But he said I'm trying to stay level headed and not get too high or too low on on anything that I'm doing. Um, he's he's just a kind of a fascinating character, honestly, because he's really he's not your typical superstar, right? He's very even keeled. Doesn't have a tech in his career. I asked him after the game about just how how he handles the officials because he just never complains and never really talks to him. He just will do his thing. And he said that he that officials are basically he pulled like the their people to card, you know? Like yeah. they, they make mistakes yeah. too. Um and he also said I get enough calls. <laughs> Just, and then yeah, I was going to say, like, smirked. it's easy. It's probably easier to say that when you're getting to the line as much as he does. Yeah. It's also probably easier whenever they're not calling the uh, the push-off fouls at all. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but but it is what. So, like, I, I went on StatHead. I, I looked up a bunch of different – you can look like span finders for an individual player. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying I, – I had an idea in my head, and I just wanted to confirm it, that this is definitely, like, the best stretch in Shea's career. Yeah. Like there's never been anything like close to this really. Yeah. And and you can look at a bunch of different markers because it's not just that he's like scoring a bunch. It's not just that he's wildly efficient. He's also like generating a ton of steals yeah. on the defensive yes. end. Yep. Um, it, it's like all over the court. He's making an impact. And it's funny that it's happening at this time when he's playing with like this skeleton crew of a bunch of guys who were in the G League two months ago. Mm-hmm. But, and you can argue both ways because you can say, well, he's getting this increased usage, so he's going to get more opportunities to do everything he's doing. But on the flip side, like watching him night to night go through this gauntlet where he's been playing really good defensive teams. And yeah. seeing how they try to stop him and still being unable to the point where, like, I go back to watch, like, this morning I rewatched the first half because I just wanted to see, like, who was on him, who did well, who didn't do well. Mm-hmm. And it, like, just doesn't really matter. Like, no matter who is on him, he figures out something that can work for him. Yeah. He's adjusting on the fly quickly. He did that. Like, Gobert was really bothering him um, the other night. And, it took him like seven minutes, like within seven minutes into the game where he, he couldn't quite figure it out. Then he kind of felt out the situation and then was incredible the rest of the game. Uh, he's playing against Drew Holiday and Giannis. I mean, that pair is almost impossible for some guys. There were, And you could see it with all – it made Shea look so much better because you could see it with all the other guys, especially with Drew, that – Poku did it once where he like tried to dribble into the paint and Drew was there and he just completely went right back out and passed the ball. Yeah. Uh, Lindy did it. There were a few guys that that tried and they were like, oh, nope, I'm not going anywhere. And Shea just continues to use his pace and his craft. And really the left hand has been really the biggest deal for him 
in this leap because now you would a lot of people would try to send him left and he kind of struggled, but now he's he can do it all now. And I, I do think that he's made that leap. If he can continue the three point shooting, I think that will be a big deal. And just man, I just think about the bigs in this draft. And if you had a big that had gravity, I mean that's that's a huge deal. Even if it, I know people are a little bit down on Paulo, but like you throw Paulo in there as the screen setter. Like Paul's a big, strong guy. You throw him as a screen setter and he either pops or rolls or whatever, it's that is gonna be really difficult to cover. I don't know how you cover that because you know that Paulo can score and you know that, that Shea can get whatever he wants whenever he wants. And it's the left hand and it's the mid range too. The mid range has been nearly automatic. Well, and you see it, there There was one play in particular where he missed the shot, but he got fouled. But he came off, a, I'm sure it was a Roby screen, and of course they're not going to guard Roby. And he starts driving, and they have an overhead cam, like replay of it, and all five defenders <laughs> like suck in to try to stop Shea, and he still gets the foul and gets yeah. to the line. Yeah, that's been happening and, a lot. The Minnesota like sold out big time to try to stop him. They threw yeah. everybody at him the whole night, and it just did not matter. And that's where, like, because, you know, back in, like, the Robertson days and, and even with Dort, like, we talk about Dort as, like, the hardened stopper, mm-hmm. or we felt that way about Robertson. It's mm-hmm. like, who is going to be the guy that really gives this version of Shea fits? Like, it's, somebody will be good enough to, like, make him have to adjust significantly i don't know who that player is going to be but i keep waiting for it as we go throughout this run and it hasn't happened yet that's why you don't trade dort because because it could be him because it's dort (laughs) (laughs) that's why they're going to keep him like it what it's not matisse theibel we saw that he blew by theibel whenever he wanted in that game and matisse is a different kind of defender too matisse likes to play like guys kind of from roaming free safety free safety of. but also like when he's playing one-on-one he, he likes to play he likes to play from behind guys sometimes <laughs> yeah and shea is just different than like these like straight line drivers like Dejounte murray or somebody like that that just like use their like pure athleticism to get wherever they want um yeah he's 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 been way better than i thought he would be this year and i thought he was good you know we like we did the the guy rankings a few weeks ago and we put him as the him in like the top tier as him and we have to feel even better about that today because he really does look like a guy that can move forward as perhaps your number one guy and Sam Vecini said it on a pod like was that last week I don't know when that was two weeks ago um, that he thought that Shea could be a top 10 player and I thought yeah, that was, that was a little, I thought that was a little of... crazy. And what we've seen in the last week is that he he has been a top ten player in the league right now. Uh, can he maintain that? Like, I don't know. The answer is probably not. But if he could maintain this kind of play, and you add like real pieces around him, like you could see a world where the Thunder are like a pretty good team in the next couple of years. Yeah, so some games coming up that I think will be interesting just as we like keep waiting for someone to really slow him down. I think at Miami will be a good one, a good test for Shea. Sure. And then Boston is two games after that. 
Th- those will Boston's be two really good matchups that yeah. maybe he hasn't seen a defenses like that yet mm-hmm. in this current form. So we can kind of as like a measuring stick game. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time seeing him struggling because he the, the Drew Holiday test was like a huge one for me. You know, the yeah. Drew Holiday Giannis test is probably even bigger than some of those. I know those defenses have played better, but man, like I don't know. That's that's a that's a big one. It's it's been impressive, and the so fact you, that he was plus this was like the biggest thing for me last night. I said he's plus four in a game that you just get crushed. And it felt like that. It felt like that. When he went off the court, yeah. it was just like, what do we do? How do we make How do we? Oh, make my points? gosh. The, the second unit in that game, whatever that lineup was, it was a lot of bays. Like, obviously, when Trey Mann's doing stuff, you feel good, but it was a lot of Teo. Yeah, a lot of a lot Teo. Of, a lot of Poku a mixed of in there. Yeah. They... And I, I don't. I would like a little more direction for that second unit, just because it just feels so hard for them. Like they're they're running, like they're what doing stuff. What would you do stuff. though? Like if Teo Maldon is a point guard, then like I, I don't know. Like can he run an offense? No, they tried. I watched it like three possessions in a row. The Bucks just shut him down. So what about Trey Mann? I. I Trey's so much better when he's playing off of guys. When he, can, he is. we can play one on one. I mean, that's where like, we talk about Trey ceiling, what he can be. Like that's you're kind of seeing like, man, he'd be like just an awesome six man like microwave guy. Yeah, I mean, he 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 moves so well off ball. Yeah, you know, coming off screens and then using that space to get downhill or whatever he has to do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish there was something to make that second unit flow a little better because it really is a point where you could probably just turn off the game. Like you're not <laughs> learning anything during those minutes. I mean, they're playing guys that are not going to be playing next year. Right. Yeah. I mean, Waters, Sar, Maladone, Crecci might even be a guy they don't play next year. Roby. <laughs> I mean, Roby didn't play until everybody was gone. I know. know, yeah, because we, we were texting with Mikey because he was like, you know, I'm feeling kind of good about Roby. And <laughs> you and I were both like, that's fine, we or? get it. But at the same time, <laughs> the team refused to play him when there was anything on the line yeah. ever. Yeah. Like when anyone was healthy. Like they only bring him out <laughs> when the plan is clearly we must lose this game. And time that to says lose, something baby. to me. Yeah. Yeah, and he's had some good, like he played really well in Denver, like Right. Dude, I mean, like, other than Shea, who do you feel more confident about finishing around the rim? Like, he's a good play finisher. He does a really good job in that role. Yeah. It's it's just defensively, I I, I don't yeah, know what he could ever be. There's nothing. Uh, Baisley is 13 of 16 in the last seven games. In Where? The, in the restricted area. Is he really? 81%. Yep. Wow. Uh, Roby's seventy-one percent. It's like he, like he's very good too. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I I would have never guessed that for base. Uh, guess Trey Mann in the restricted area. In the last oh, it's seven like thirty-three percent. That's exactly right. Thirty-three point three. Yeah, five, I looked it up this morning because I was I was checking. I was like, it must have gone up. Every he had like a he had like a couple nice finishes in that game. He had the and up and I under. Look, yeah. And then I look it up and it's like yeah, thirty-three percent. That's a, that's that's kind of Trey's thing right now is that his game looks so good that you just assume like i i was like oh he's probably got 
15 points by now and i look like he's got eight on like yeah nine shots i'm like oh okay like he, he's just so much fun to watch he's just such a such like a graceful basketball player that you just like everything looks good i mean after every shot i'm like that looked good you know after every single shot <laughs> that was yeah. awesome that was great ball didn't go in but it looked good he, he's definitely a. He he's reaching the level of NBA smart guy because I mean KOC's written about him. Yeah, we've we've seen Nikias Duncan like tweet about him. Sure, Jackson Frank has, and it's because if you aren't watching the Thunder, which if you're not a Thunder fan, you probably shouldn't be. Yeah, but if you're not watching the Thunder and you're just looking at stats, like you're going to be so confused why anyone <laughs> would be excited about Trey Mann because it like, doesn't look that good. No, the stats look bad. I mean, <laughs> which so, is fine. There's like no like way to sugarcoat that. Um, you know who else is the only other positive while they were on the court last night? Uh, from last night's game, mm-hmm. I'll guess uh, Veet. Uh, Veet was minus sixteen. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bays. Bays was minus twenty-five. I mean, it must be someone who played. It was Roby. Roby was minus thirteen. Oh my gosh, who was it? Alexei Pokushevsky, plus two. Uh, Poku. Poku. 13, 7, and 4. Zero yeah. turnovers might be the most important stat. Yeah, yeah. Two of six from three, three of four from the free throw line. He's been normal bad. He's been normal bad. Yeah. And to be clear, that's bad. But he's it's not... It's not you're not questioning whether he knows how to play basketball, which was the case at the beginning of his rookie season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, it was just like I don't know what this guy's going to be. Uh, I got to pull up Mark's quote because I was cracking up about it after he left the room. Um, I asked Mark. So my question was, and this is something like Mark continues like anytime you ask him about Poku, he says something about him competing. Like I just want him to compete. That's all I want him to do. I want him to be out there competing. He's doing that, and that's great. So I asked him, okay, I said, we know that he's competing. That's great, but tell me what you think about his offensive progression from like this time last season to now. And he said, last season he was like a slot machine. You either win the prize or you lose your life savings with, <laughs> with Poka's decision-making. I was like, oh, that's, that's a great – that's a great analogy, number one. And it was true. I mean, he had like spectacular plays and he had plays that was just like, oh my gosh, like he's never going to figure it out, is how yeah. it felt. And now there's just less of that. Like he looks like a player. Like he looks like an NBA basketball player and he's improving and he's getting stronger. And he talked about how much the strength has helped his balance which I agree with. I think that that's it's definitely been something that you can tell that he's improved at is just his overall balance on the court due to his strength. And I preemptively asked this question just because I'm asking, I think we talked about it and I'm just curious. I asked about summer league, like, is he going to play summer league? Is that in his plans? And he said that like, it's much more on the table now than it was last year because hmm. of his strength. So we might actually get some Poku Summer League action. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm happy, I guess, with uh, Poku right now. I'm, I'm not. I mean, like, from where he was two months ago, where it was like, 
Oh gosh, are they gonna? I mean, I think you asked like, are they gonna decline his fourth year option? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he is so bad. I I guess the the only thing is like we we should recognize what we've lost because we don't see as many of the like highlight factory poku mixtape <laughs> plays as much anymore which is fine that's part of probably him becoming a better player and making better decisions yeah but i just hope that that's he doesn't lose that spark andrew i don't want him to think of himself just as a role player i still want that alpha brain poku yeah to reemerge at some point once he feels more comfortable you know in the league and, and with everything else yeah that full court pass that he threw to roby was really nice last night and I mean, he's he's playing he's playing well. There's like definitely points in the game where like, oh okay, like he's he's figuring it out. And his three ball looked good. He only hit two of six, but there was a few shots that were just in and out. Um, he's he's just looking better, which is hey, which he, is just positive. He is six months younger than Chet Holmgren. Yeah, six months younger. Sorry, older, 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 older. <laughs> oh my older. gosh, they did something illegal. He's Benjamin Buttoning. <laughs> that would be crazy to have Kid Poku in like three years. He's like reverted back like Benjamin Button. Now he's thirteen, but he's still on the team. <laughs> Wait, is Poku shorter? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> that would be a wild story. But he gets better. He gets better as he gets younger. I could see that. Where like Poku's optimal size is really like six seven. No, like five nine. <laughs> five nine point Poku, thirteen year old. He's like, Oh, these these arms were just way too long. My trunk um, was way too big. I want one more thing on Shea real quick. Uh so I, I, I tweeted out just a comparison of him and Devin Booker. Oh, hold on. Let's take a break before we go to that because this is good stuff. This is good stuff that we can talk about for a minute. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And we're back from that quick break. Al, give us some give us some Devin Booker Shea stats. Well, it's uh, I just wanted to compare their 23-year-old season. So for Devin Booker, that yeah. was the bubble year. So yeah. that was pre-Chris Paul, which actually is a good like comparison point because he didn't have another major ball handler on his team mm -hmm. like that was that good obviously mm -hmm. chris paul is awesome so the first thing that stood out when you look at these stat comparisons in this this season for each of these guys is how similar their shot selection is just yeah. at like a very basic level so this is all of these numbers are going to be booker versus shea so just field goal attempts 18.3 to 18.7 three-point attempts 5.7 to 5.4 
two-point attempts, 12.6 to 13.3. Free throw attempts, 7.3 to 7.3. Like, they're getting their shots from similar parts of the court, broadly speaking. Like, this isn't broken down by, like, mid-range restricted area and that. And you look at them across the board, and they are pretty similar. Now, obviously, Shea is getting weighed down by the fact that he was not a good three-point shooter at the beginning of this season. And so Booker's going to look better. You know, his true shooting percentage is 62% that year versus 55% for Shea. Yep. But their free throw attempt rates are basically the same. They're getting to the line on like 40% of their plays. Mm -hmm. Um, Three-point attempt rates are closer. Like Booker is 31%. Shea is at 28.8%. And then you just look across the board, like assist percentage is identical. Their usage percentage, identical. Uh, Defensive rebounds, identical. Like... The thing that separates them in favor of Shea, Shea has a a lower turnover percentage. Yeah. So 14.9% for Booker versus 11.2. And then Shea is bringing those stocks. His steal percentage and block percentage are significantly higher than Booker, like double. So it's long arms, man. So it's long arms. But I just thought it was a fun comparison because they match up so closely. Yeah. Even when you look at like some like PER is basically the exact same. VORP is the exact same. Mm-hmm. Like across the board, these guys in their 23-year-old season played very similarly at least statistically. Now they're they're different players. I you know, I think obviously Booker is the shooter you trust more out of the two. Yeah. Whereas you probably trust Shea more as a driver and finish type guy. Yeah. Um, so, so they play different games, but it, just thinking of those guys in a in a similar archetype, and th- that's exciting because Booker is a really good player. And I think Suns fans are probably having those conversations right now as well. It would be nice if he was playing because he's out with the health and protocols. But like, is Booker a number one guy? And if Booker is a number one guy, how good are the Suns mm-hmm. with Chris Paul out? I think that's still a question. Still yeah. a really interesting question because we never got the answer. They never, they were never a playoff team with Booker as their number one guy, no doubt about it. Yeah, and they, there will be a world post Chris Paul where Devin Booker is probably still on the Suns. Yeah, and I think it, he is at that point. Yeah, it's just going to take a few more years till we like full. That's fully realized um, because Chris Paul will be there and play such a huge role in that offense. Yeah, but. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And so then a sidebar to that is that I don't feel like Shea has gotten the Booker treatment in a negative way. Yeah. It, because Booker, when he was playing on those bad Suns teams, you know, I mean, he's had a 70-point game during that stretch. Yeah. There was so much talk nationally framing Devin Booker as a good stats, bad team guy. Chucker. Yeah, just this guy who, like, yeah, he's putting up these stats, but it's on a terrible team. Who really cares? Will this translate to winning? I don't feel like that's happening with Shea. And there's probably a few different reasons for that. Like, the the most obvious one is that Shea was on playoff teams his first two years. So, like, the stench of losing was not as firmly attached to him as it was to Devin Booker. But at the same time, like this version of the Thunder gets way more national attention for being the quote-unquote tanking team of the league than yeah. those Suns teams did. Yeah. So I I just think it's an interesting comparison. I, I think it's good. Like, obviously, everyone was wrong who <laughs> worried about that with Devin Booker. But, and so maybe it's just us evolving. Do you have, do you have any thoughts about why that hasn't really happened with Shea? Yeah, I mean, the, no one's really talking about the Thunder 
play on the court at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. is is part of it. Uh I mean you just don't ever hear anybody talk about OKC. And and if they do, we have such a famous president of basketball ops and like the entire narrative with the Thunder is built around the plan. It's not built around the current players, you know? And it's you can more center it on like Josh because he's a rookie and it's more fun to talk about rookies, but if it's guys that we already know about, it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, we know he's good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and with the Suns it was always, well, like what's the future here? You know, no one like the Suns were really bad for a really long time. And they were trying to be good. Like they were signing guys and they were trying to make moves and they were just bad, bad, bad year after year. And and bringing in a lot of coaches. Tons of coaches. Okay. Like there was just and there was just no like real plan in Phoenix, really before James Jones got there. Where it was like, what are we what are we doing? Like what are what kind of team are we trying to build? Where with the Thunder it's like there's no secret as to what they're doing. And and it's almost to the point where it's like, okay, let's we'll we'll check back in on how the Thunder are playing in two years when we know that they're done with this charade is kind of how it feels like a lot of national people. Yeah, maybe it's that this has worked in Shea's favor that like OKC's competence as a franchise has kind of taken the attention away from him. Yeah. Because nationally, you're right, like Sam Presti is the quote unquote star player of the team that people want to talk about. I mean, Whereas, yeah, LeBron's talking about him. Right. <laughs> you know, he, he tried to ask him about Josh, and he's like, I want to talk about Sam. Whereas with the Suns, like, they were perennially this, like, dysfunctional team. Like, everyone already always knew about Sarver. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I completely forgot that Jay Triano was a coach for them during yeah, that period. Like, they had yeah. Hornacek, Earl Watson, Jay Triano, and then Coach Igor, and then they get yeah. to Monty Williams. So they... You know, Booker has five coaches mm-hmm. in a five-year, or is that? A, yeah, five-year span. You know, they fire Earl Watson after three games into that season. Yeah, I mean, just so much more dysfunction, and that probably was influencing how people thought about Devin Booker. Yeah, he got associated with that dysfunction. Yeah, you're in the news for all the wrong things. Where the Thunder, when the Thunder make news, it's either like they did yesterday with injuries. And like every team has injuries, you know, but they're they have a lot of them right now, and or it's about losing or tanking or a move that Sam has made. Like that's when the Thunder are in. Whenever it's essentially a team building concept that either people agree with or disagree with, you know, like those are those are the reasons that the Thunder are in in the news. Or luckily, we had giddy go off in madison square garden and then people talked about it you know some of it is that like shay's been great at home shay's been going to be probably good again tonight in minnesota like who cares (laughs) you know if he was doing this and he did it earlier this season in la when he hit that shot from like half court you know and everybody i think people were talking about him then but it really does matter if they, if he did this against the Nets in Barclays, I think people would talk about it. So, so much of it is about where you're playing, who you're playing against, and I mean the truth is like the ratings for the Utah Jazz versus the Oklahoma City Thunder have to be like bottom of the barrel. Like even though Giannis is Giannis, 
nobody's watching that game last night, you know? That's yeah. that's also a huge part of it. If you can get national eyes on it, well, then maybe people would talk about it. Like, Brian Windhorst came to Oklahoma City before the season started, watched a preseason game, and then talked about it on his podcast. You know, talked about how mm-hmm. good he thought Josh was. It's just about who's got where the eyes are. And, you know, for the most part, it, it takes a pretty special game to get national eyes on the Thunder. And so going back to the the Booker comparison, so if we feel like Shea and Booker are similar levels in their age 23 season, you know, looking ahead to next year, because that that Booker team, that bubble team that won, you know, went 8-0 in the bubble, yeah. they ended up winning 34 games that season. Obviously still in the lottery, but they were dramatically improved from the season before. And so, you know, as I start looking ahead, like how bad can a team be with this version of Shea? And of course, we don't think this version will totally keep up if only because once you get everyone back, his usage isn't going to be this high. And so it's going to be harder for him to put up just the raw stats Mm -hmm. to that same level. But if we just got all of this Shea where like it's the passing, it's him his three-point shot is hitting like he's still finishing he's still getting to the rim like that's a star player how bad can you be with that star player on your team Mm -hmm. unless you dramatically pull not not even pull levers because you know we talked about the surgeries unless you have like this cataclysmic injury thing that happens with all these guys like how bad can that team really be yeah i like, like, okay, let me let me ask you this way. Okay. If Shea played like this from the beginning of the season, uh-huh. everything happened the exact same way. Mm-hmm. How many points, or how many points, how many total points do you think they would have had going into the All-Star break? Um, how many wins do you think they would have had in comparison? Like, like, was that, would it be five more wins? Two or three, I would guess. I don't know. Not that many more. See, I, th- I think it'd be a little bit more. Because there were so many close games early in the season. I mean, we've seen how competitive this team can be yeah. when everyone is playing well and, they, and is healthy. They won some of those close games, too. They did, for sure. But like this version of Shea is a dramatically different player than what we saw early in the season. He's been really good, yeah. I mean, I would be floored if they weren't in the lottery next year. I, um, I feel the same way. I, I I'm not like predicting that they're going to make the play-in game yeah but i compare them to a team like what i think houston will look like next year like they're going to be significantly better than houston yeah i mean and that's what you that's what you get whenever you build a culture along with a rebuilding team you know and you build an identity like i think the pistons will be better next year too like i don't know that the pistons will be bottom of the barrel either just because Kay Cunningham is the type of player that sets a culture on his own, you know. And I'm not saying like anything against management or anything up there, but I, I think Kate is just one of those guys, and he can be the best player on your team. Uh, and then if they add another piece, you know, and, and you know, I think the Thunder will be in the six seven mix. The, I think they'll be in the Kings range of the lottery next year. Oh well, the, the Kings are—they're making the playoffs next year, Andrew. Sure, I heard. This actually is not a bad time for them to get in because the West is a is a little down right now. But it's it's really sad, like really like depressingly Dude, sad that they can't get in now. There are a few teams 
who, depending on what happens this summer, should be like very worried. Like, and, and I'm mostly thinking of the Lakers. Like the Lakers yeah. kind of got some breaks this year in that teams like Portland, San Antonio were down. Yeah. Like I I'm not convinced that the Lakers are like a shoe in for the play in <laughs> next year. Especially when or or I should say I feel like they could be in the same spot they are next year because if the Clippers get their guys back Denver gets their guys back. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, the West is stacked again. They're both above them right now, and they don't have their guys. Right. (laughs) So, it's like the gap is just going to widen, I feel like, next year. Because it does does seem like we're in this kind of morass in the West where it's kind of hard to separate Mm -hmm. a lot of these teams, especially, like, in the, like, six to two range. Yeah. And what if Zion Um, comes back and he can play? Like, the Pelicans are a lot better than they are today. I mean, yeah, Portland, like you said, if Dame comes back and he's, you know, fully healed from that abdominal issue, like he's going to be better. San Antonio could be better. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, the West isn't like good. Like there's not any, like, there's not a ton of like real contenders, but like the only team that I can see taking a big step back that's in like the top nine is Utah. Like that's the only team that I could see when they go out early when they go out early and self combust, yeah. you know, like Phoenix isn't going anywhere. Memphis is certainly not going anywhere. Golden state's not Dallas is not Denver's not Minnesota's not Clippers are not Lakers are always in the mix and will try to be in the mix. And like you said, I mean, that, and that's also where it's like the Thunder aren't making the playoffs or even probably the play in next year, you know, I agree. But I think like at this point next year, I would anticipate them having like five more wins than they currently have right now. Like, which technically puts you right on the outside of the play in. But like, I think they'll be in that like San Antonio, Portland range. They could be. They could be in that range. Depending on what happens in the draft, of course. What happens in the draft, what your health is like. I mean, is there a chance that Chet Holm, if the Thunder got lucky and got the number one pick, they pick Chet that. You just take a step back because you have Chet in the lineup. Is that possible? Take a step back with Chet. Yeah, I mean, it's a being a big in the NBA. That's a that's a big adjustment, man. It's a big adjustment. Sometimes it takes a year or two. I mean, we saw how bad Aiton was right out the gate for the Suns. We saw how bad like Sabonis. Like we saw Sabonis up close and personal. Like he was bad. You know. Yeah, I'm I I'm too high on Chet to to even go down that road. I think they would get like markedly better. Wow. If if Chet was on this team. I kind of feel like Chet's going to take a minute with NBA competition. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we we shall see. It's another reason why I think he's the perfect pick for the Thunder. Yeah. It's like he allows you to be in like that 5 to 8 range where I don't know, like teams like that like you still give your chance give yourself a chance to get lucky you know one more time one more time and then you got i mean you look at then you go to the east like the east is one through ten like all those teams are going to be competitive washington always wants to be mediocre i don't know what the heck the knicks are going to look like next year indy should be better because they'll get miles turner back right like miles turner fixes a lot of things for them um 
we both said Detroit's going to be better. Orlando probably still sucks. Like it just yeah. it just feels like there's less. There will be less like bad bad teams next year too. Which means that there's probably a team that doesn't seem like they're rebuilding right now that is going to be rebuilding by next year in the same way that like Portland was that team this year. It happens every year. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and we have no idea who that's going to be. My prediction is great candidates. My prediction is Utah. Well, and that's the other thing. Like you start thinking like three years down the road where you would hope OKC is making playoffs at that time. Yeah. Like by that time, you're thinking we're near the end of the Warriors as they exist. Yeah, near the like end of the Warriors, they might, Lakers. They might be over at that point. The Clippers Lakers are even. done at that point. The Clippers, like who knows they could at that be point. Done. But those, those are the oldest teams in the West. Mm-hmm. And so that those are the teams you would hope to be jumping in the future. I also think I'm I'm still not sold on Minnesota. I think other than the <laughs> Lakers, they have been the team that's gotten the luckiest with how weak the West is. And that if the West is as good as I think it's going to be next year, they're going to be the team that, oh, they have this like sophomore slump where yeah. they're not – they like take a step back from where they were this year. Cat's been – Cat and Edwards have been really good, though. They have, for sure. They just need you, have, better but, role players have, around those guys. Have you seen who the the I mean I talked about on Slam and Jam but their current stretch Thunder Blazers Blazers Thunder yeah oh yeah no oh, it's they're gonna they're gonna be rolling right now and they they for whatever reason they just destroy the Thunder yeah and on a second night of back to back let me look at the injury report I don't know who's playing tonight for the for the Thunder I mean obviously not many guys but you just wonder like would. Would they sit Shea on a back-to-back after playing him a bunch of minutes last night? Like, I don't know. I don't, there, so there's a there's a game coming up against the Blazers uh, that's on a Tuesday night, so yeah. right before a Wednesday pod. Andrew. Yeah, and that's I can't remember if it's if it's the one that's in OKC or in Portland, because um, I'm going to go to the one that's in Portland. It is Monday, March 28th. Oh, that's the one in Portland. Never mind. But we do one of our last games of the season is Tuesday, April fifth. Yeah, Portland at OKC. That's a big one. That's a really big one. The Thunder have not won on a Tuesday yet this season. I know it's uh, it's kind of a nice thing for this podcast because we always have to talk about a Monday game. But there's only been four Tuesday games. It felt weird to be. I was sitting by a few people. I was like, it feels weird to be in here on a Tuesday. Like it just, it's nice. It we should have weird. more. Yeah, I like I like the Tuesday game better because oftentimes I feel like I can't go to Wednesday games. I go to a lot yeah. of them, but I feel like I can't go because I have to work that night and it's just it's just makes the night a lot more difficult. Um yeah. uh, for the Timberwolves tonight, Pat Bev is questionable with a with right ankle soreness. Anthony Edwards is questionable with left patella tendinopathy. Mm. Uh Jalen Noel is probable with a nasal contusion. Uh, Torian Prince is questionable with back spasms. D'Angelo Russell, also questionable with bilateral hamstring soreness. Jared Vanderbilt, wow. questionable with left quad contusion. Uh-oh. And McKinley Wright, the fourth, is out. Uh-huh. It's on a G League assignment. <laughs> okay. I've never heard that name in my life. Mark Schindler had a tweet the other day that started off with the name Brandon Williams. And like, 
I, I saw that it was a video and I just assumed it was a college prospect because <laughs> I hadn't heard that name yet. And it, apparently it's someone on the Blazers. Um, it was like the deepest of all deep cuts. The Blazers is like the ultimate who he play for team right now. Like there were teams earlier this season, whenever we had like all the health and safety protocols where it was like, Oh man, you can't name any of these guys. <laughs> like it's like who he play for is every night in the NBA. Well, now that we're kind of past that, the Blazers are that team now where you just don't know who any of these guys well, I are. Was, I was looking it up because I was trying to put into context like how bad Portland has been. They have the most 30-point losses in the league with eight, which is kind of funny to think about because if you just ask that as a trivia question, I think most people would have – they think of the 73-point loss, so they might say OKC, or yeah. you might think Houston would be another good guess, but it's Portland. And uh, Taylor Lynch, who's one of our uh, listeners, he actually sent me a little stat that in their last five games, they have a worse total point difference, which is minus 156, than any five-game stretch from the Thunder the past two seasons. Wow. Like, what they're doing right now, tank-wise, unprecedented. The last five games, you know what their net rating is? If, <laughs> I don't know if I could pick a number high enough. I might say, like, minus 25. You didn't pick a number high enough or low enough. Minus 29.7. Oh, man. Their offensive yeah. rating is 93.6. They legitimately could lose every game the rest of the season, which yeah. sounds bad, and in some ways it is, because you know we could slowly catch up to them. But here's the good part of it. They're about to have that stretch where they're playing all the bad teams. Yeah. So that means wins potentially for Indiana, Detroit, two games against Houston. Yep. Like if we can just split those last two games. Yeah, we just got to just die. like just don't play anybody. Just <laughs> just send Veet, okay? That's all you need to do. Veet. Let's explore Lindy Waters as the number 1 guy. Yeah, can Lindy what I mean Mark said it ball? last night. I asked Mark last night about what what he's thought about Lindy. He said that he doesn't want to make him just a shooter. He wants him to be a basketball player. Okay. Prove it, Mark. Yeah, prove it. Prove it. Against the Blazers only, though. And honestly, just put three guys on the court just so we can get a clearer look at, you know, what the pick and roll looks like with Lindy. You don't need to crowd up the court, you know. Let's just run some nice yeah, Don't junk plays. this up, Mark. Just, yeah, come on now. Uh, yeah, the Thunder in that same five-game stretch are minus 17 and a half. Okay. You know who's you know who's twenty eighth in net rating in the last five games? Uh it's not Charlotte, but they, they were getting beat up pretty bad. Who is it? It's not Charlotte. It's a team that's been in the news, Al. Oh, the Lakers? The Lakers are minus nine point six. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Yeah, how do you, uh, you want to talk about Russ? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know, Al. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about Russ to close the show. I guess we we kind of have to, right? At least a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I've been thinking about it a lot um, because, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, you know, the the headline from what came out, like both with his wife on Twitter and, and yeah. that post game preference, like the headline was the death threats that they've gotten sure. from, from fans. And so yesterday you saw a lot of people tweeting like death threats are wrong. And I just thought it was a little funny. Cause it's like, who are you talking to? Like we all agree that death threats are terrible. <laughs> like anybody disagree. <laughs> like when you tweet something like death threats is wrong, you're assuming that like some normal person that's following you is sending death threats and is going to like positively respond to your tweet. Like whoever's doing this are like not worth considering. It's like their opinions don't matter. Like whoever these death threat people are, like hopefully they're not following you. Hopefully you're not like collecting the type of people who we, are. We have all agreed for a long time as a society that murder shouldn't happen. Agree. Agree. And you know what? It gets it gets a lot of likes though. You put out that you're that you bravely are taking a stand against death threats. <laughs> People like that. Okay, so as a baseline, we all agree that death threats are wrong and bad. Yeah, we can be done with that portion okay, of this. Let's move argument. past that. Yeah. What I've come my, my like conclusion with with Russ is is honestly just that it's very sad that it has ended up this way because yes, criticism has always been a part of Russell Westbrook's narrative. And his story as a basketball player, yeah. but it was always balanced by him doing something miraculous on the court. Absolutely. And so, even when there was criticism, as a fan, you knew that like your guy's going to back it up. That like he's whether it's winning the MVP or like having a crazy game against Denver, mm-hmm. whatever it was, he was always going to be able to silence the critics on the basketball court. Yeah. And it's gotten to a point in his career now where he can't really do that. Like, I watched that game against the Spurs because I was thinking, okay, LeBron's out, 80's out. There's been these rumors or reports that there's been conversations behind the scenes. Russ saying, I really just want to be the point guard for this team. Let me be that. Yeah. And so I watched that Spurs game, and it's like, it's a different guy right now. Yeah, he's not the same guy. It's not the same guy. And that's okay, and maybe that changes. Like, maybe... The if the Lakers do wave and stretching, which I don't think would be a smart move on their part to pay 15 million per year for the next three years. Yeah, but if they did that, maybe there's a team out there where he plays and all of a sudden it like looks like Russ again. Yeah, but I'm working from the expectation that that's not going to be the case. And so in that case, all I really want for Russ is to for him to have the Iverson moment when he went back to Philly and kiss the floor because I was a huge Iverson fan growing up. Mm -hmm. His end of his career was miserable. He got traded to Detroit. Then he played with Memphis. Then he just kind of left Memphis and ended up back in Philly. Yeah. As bad as that stretch was now, like 10 or 15 years later, I don't know how long that's been. 
all I remember from that time is years. being in my dorm yeah. room at OU, mm-hmm. watching on a legal stream, <laughs> Allen Iverson coming out for the first time with the Sixers. They're announcing his name. He mm-hmm. runs out, kisses the logo on the floor. And like that was a very nice and deserving bookend for what was a you know very strange career for Allen Iverson, especially the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I just hope Russ has something like that. I'm not saying like him coming back to OKC, being on the team and kissing the floor or anything, but I just hope he has one, at least one more moment that can be cele- like universally celebrated. Yeah. Because the way it's going right now, it's just, it, it feels like we're getting further and further away from something like that being able to happen. Yeah, I think it... it- I think it happened with Iverson because it was like an admission that like, okay, this is the end, you know? Where was, and yeah, like, it was almost like getting your affairs in order. Like yes. I need to go do this one thing. Yes. Because it didn't work out. Like he, him, he, it's not like he like stayed on the Sixers a long time and they like went to the playoffs or anything. Like it, it ended up not working out in Philly that final time. Yeah. But you still got some closure. Yeah. He played, and I'm, he played three games for Memphis. And he played 25 games for Philly. And and that's really what I'm looking for at this point. Like, can we get some decent closure with Westbrook? And what's scary is because of his contract, because of how hard we all assume it would be to trade, Yeah, if he doesn't get waived and stretched this summer, like, how does this end well for Russ? Yeah, it may not. It, it, it may not, because you look around, like, who are the teams that, if, if Russ was just a free agent, if he was waved and stretched, mm-hmm. he was just a free agent this summer, who are the teams that you definitely feel confident are going after that player? Knowing how he's played in L.A. this season, even if you, which is correct, it was a terrible fit mm-hmm. from the beginning. But, like, we were talking about in our group chat, and really the only team I really believed was the Wizards, interestingly enough, because it's like, if they do sign Beal... And they have Porzingis now. Like you could imagine a scenario where they're like, "Well, we don't. We traded away Spencer Dinwiddie. We don't really have another ball handler on the team. Mm-hmm. We know Russ was good when he was here. He took us to the playoffs, which we had had a long playoff drought. Like that's the one team where I could see it possibly making sense for them, like yeah. on a short term deal. But outside of that, it's really hard to find a team. Yeah, and David Aldridge wrote a piece on the Athletic today, theathletic.com/slash/down to dunk. Get it for one dollar a month talking about john wall going back to washington exactly yeah and so it'd be the same type of idea yeah like that type of you know veteran point guard who's probably definitely past his prime but you're getting him on a cheaper deal and he's a still a significant upgrade of whatever you have because it's probably like who is the is it uh ish smith yeah it's ish ish. yeah yeah and they how netto is how netto still on the yeah and and both those guys have played there which is just yeah funny yeah but I mean, I guess maybe, I mean, I think the Knicks would probably do it just because they're the Knicks and they just can't help themselves. But Yeah, if, like, if nothing works out for them this summer and, and that happened with the Lakers, it would be a fallback option similar to what they did with Kemba this year. Yeah. Although I think even at his depressed state right now, I still think Russ is a better player than Kemba currently. Yeah, I mean, you would very much hope so yeah i mean russ is he's not the same guy and there have been guys that have continued to make their careers i think of guys like grant hill and grant hill had to change a lot because of injuries but 
Grant Hill had a long career because he was able to look in the mirror and admit who he was today. Uh, Mello is in large part still in the NBA because he figured out who he was and adjusted. And it, and it took a lot to get there with it, Mello. Like. It did. And and perhaps Russ goes through the same thing because Russ, I mean, frankly, Russ still has a lot in the tank as your fifth, sixth, seventh best player, like a lot left in the tank. But if he's asking to be the first or second best player, like he just doesn't have it anymore. And it's, I don't think the fit with the Lakers is good. But if you're sitting here thinking that the fit is the only reason that Russ isn't doing well, then you're just not paying attention, like you said earlier. And it's it's tough with Russ because, like everyone, like the West Brick thing. I mean, it it kind of comes with the territory whenever you're an NBA superstar and you're not performing well. You know, you what do you expect people to do? You know, I mean, it's. It's yeah, it's in, a part of it's a part of being in the public eye. I mean, it's just a a part of it, and to act like that, to frame the way he framed it, like he basically framed West Brick and the death threats in one big frame, and it's like whoa, 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 like you can't you can't do that. Like that's that's not fair. And then also the way that Russ has treated people in the past to act. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's a little bit just funny to me that a guy is upset about bullying who spent his career bullying like it's just a fun it's just, it's just a weird it, it, yeah it's a like, weird scenario and it's i don't know he, yeah he's whether made himself it's like, like even more polarizing at this point like rocking the baby on people like his whole it, the way i mean just the, frankly the way he spoke to everybody and the amount of tension that existed when you were around russell westbrook and that was part of like especially for Russ stands like that was part of the persona that you liked was that he sure. was this guy who wasn't going to take BS from anybody. Like yeah. he was going to rock the baby in someone's face. Mm-hmm. He was going to stare down Jeremy lamb when he didn't hold out his hand to shake his hand. Like mm-hmm. he was not go- like Barry Trammell b- brought this up on the radio yesterday. Apparently that Russ didn't call him by his name for his entire <laughs> tenure there, like 11 yeah. years or whatever it right. was. Exactly. Like when you built up that kind of persona, one, you are generating a very rabid fan base mm-hmm. because people like that kind of figure. But when you can't balance that out with the great play on the court, like it, I, I, that persona invites criticism regardless of how he plays on the court. Yes. Like it's always going to invite criticism. And now it's at a point where it's totally out of balance because He's not playing well, and so he can't he can't fight back against the criticism outside of you know having you know talking about things that are very real to him, like the Westbrook thing. Westbrick thing, like I get it. Like he made a very compelling case. He talked about how his son like loves being associated with the name Westbrook. Like he loves his sure. name Westbrook. He writes it all the time. Yeah, and you could understand from Russ's perspective how people ch- changing his name in that way to make it a negative thing would mm-hmm. really hurt him knowing how he feels about his son. Yeah. To- totally get that. Yeah. At the same time, I don't know how you can police that as like a, a the, the fan base at large of NBA fans because in comparison to what other players are called, like Westbrook is ultimately just a, like a very like run-of-the-mill like fan hate thing. You know, like it, it's on the level of like Pandemic P and all these other like dumb nicknames that people have come up with, like yeah. Le, Le Mickey, like all of these things 
that fans have created, like it's on that level. I understand why it's on a much different level for Russ, but I don't know how you police that. You, you can't. And in fact, when you call attention to it, do you think that when he goes to (laughs) Philly or wherever else, you think that they're not going to have like all the West brick signs and like chanting it? I mean, I know. Cause like we're as Thunder fans, we're so willing to give Russ empathy. Yeah. Like you, you listen to that and you can hear the hurt in his voice and you're you're so willing to give him empathy because of everything he did for the thunder over that decade plus yeah but as a fan of another team who has seen this guy who's one of like the most outspoken like trash talking guys in the league the way he's like treated other players on the team like it's so it's such a further jump for a fan of another team to offer that same empathy yeah you also, you can't be quoted by saying, I'm blessed with the ability to not give an F and then s- say this. I mean, if, if Russ heard somebody say the things that he said, you know, a few days ago, like five years ago, when he was like still in OKC, like he, maybe not publicly, but he would have made fun of that guy, <laughs> you know? Well, he would have been, you know, I mean, and it's, and it's because at this point, there's not anything for him to lay back on like, Oh, I'm still, you know, a top 10 player. I'm still an all-star. I'm still making all NBA. I'm still all these things. So I don't care. And now that he's not, it's, he's turned himself. He's, I think, I don't know if he's trying to turn himself into a sympathetic figure, but it certainly comes across that way. Yeah. And I think for, for fans of Russell Westbrook, the idea, I think that's why this recent stretch has been so sad because in some ways it's it's good like he does seem like he's becoming more human like in in these press conferences like that was probably the most human moment i've seen from russell westbrook over his career but with that comes kind of like the removal of this aura around russell westbrook as like this god this basketball god who can do everything yeah and in some ways that's good because it reminds you that all these players are real people underneath whatever we put onto them but you know, it's kind of like going from a kid and like watching sports in a certain way and holding these guys on this pedestal to mm-hmm. just getting older and realizing that everyone's just a person like you and they're all mm-hmm. going through these same stuff. And it kind of like it's good that we recognize that these guys are human, but there's a part of it where it's like you just miss that like character of Russ. Yeah. There's just so much nuance and context with Russ that like almost everybody misses. Like, if you are, like, staunchly, like, Russ is great. I can't believe they would do this to him. This is crazy. Like, you've missed it. Or if you're on, like, the complete opposite side, where you're like, oh, yeah, he's been terrible for forever. Like, you know, there's just so much more to all of it that I think the entire internet is almost missing. You know, like, there's just, there's a lot there with with Westbrook that I, that I and, you know, Twitter... Twitter like emphasizes and and makes like the extremes the loudest. You know, the the people that are out there like quote tweeting all these things about how great Russ is and I can't believe you'd do this to him is like like that gets amplified and then the other side gets amplified and then like the the real nuance is just lost. Like it's all gone. <laughs> and it is so th- this actually dovetails really quick. Do you have time? Do we have like five minutes? I've got I actually have a lot of time right now. So, okay. yeah. I just wanted to, to bring up like another uh, a topic that kind of is like that, where, like, depending on who you're listening to, the 
takes are going to be wildly different. And the example of this is the conversation about Jokic and Embiid MVP. Yeah. Like I follow so many, I get you, you know, quote unquote smart NBA people. Mm-hmm. All of them right now are tweeting or talking about how no one pays attention to Jokic, but that's like all I see. And so I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the only people I follow, like all the basketball people I trust are talking about Jokic. The nonstop. only thing they're talking about is Jokic. <laughs> yeah. Like Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe were on their podcast acting like no one had ever even heard of his name before. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? on but MVP it is it's that yeah. idea where, and, and that's why, you know, especially if I was an athlete or like a family member of an athlete, like you have to, I would have to avoid that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we and, get and, one. And like Nina and them know that. Like they know that. They know to but, stay away from that. They've had to do that for forever. And in their defense, like at this point, being in LA and yeah. this specific example, like if, if this was happening right now in Washington, no one would. No really one care. cares. If, if yes, if he was it's everywhere, if he it's was this, everything. If he was this bad, and the Lakers were winning, it wouldn't matter either. No one would care. Yeah. So I, I get it that like probably in some respects they like, cannot avoid it, but I just think like when we get one negative comment about a podcast or something, yeah, and and everyone knows this, like you know, ten people might say something nice, but that one is going to stick with you a long time. I doubt. can't imagine. Like the mental fortitude you have to have to withstand that amount of criticism, especially at a time when you probably know yourself that things aren't going well. Like yeah. Russ, Russ has talked about this that like he knows things aren't going well on the court. Yeah, and he isn't playing to his ability. So I understand why all of this is bubbled up, but there's just such a it's such an interesting topic because of the person and the character he was in the NBA and in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. and carrying all that baggage with him to now here and trying to like unravel that and become something different is going to be so hard for a player like that. It's going to be difficult, but if he ever wants to still like be in the NBA and win people over again, it would be, it would be him going to like a really good team and like being what Andre Iguodala was to those great, Warriors teams where it's like, yeah, I'll come off the bench, I'll play a role, I will, you know, shoot the right shots, I'll make the right passes. Cause he's still, I mean, I still believe that there's like a good, like I said earlier, sixth, seventh, eighth man in there. You know, he's got, he still has the juice to do that. It's just, does he mentally have the ability to do that? Which is like, that's the big question. Is he able to take a step back? realize where he is in his career and and not try to force being the first or second best guy uh, he could even help the lakers for crying out loud with with who they are you know they've got some shooters if he was just willing to be a facilitator which he's still a good passer actually like sell out and play defense oh my <laughs> you know? did you see that clip what with perk talking over it from yes. the spurs game yes Oh my gosh, that was brutal. If you haven't seen it, there was just a, a Spurs offensive play where I think Russ, and it was a, an extended play. Like it, yeah. there was like a rebound, offensive rebound. Somebody said his Russ, controller got turned off. Yeah, Russ probably moved like one foot. Yeah. It, yeah. it was bad. Because, I mean, we're talking about like best rebounding guard in NBA history, 
one of the best players in NBA history, if he were just able to just and that's the, and and here's the reason why he probably can't and won't do it is that how he got to where he is is by giving 100% of what he's got at all times and and having the extreme belief in himself and what he can do because he was as a young player people had a hard time figuring out what he was and what he was going to be and trying to pigeonhole himself he's not a point guard he's more of a shooting guard but he can't shoot but what is he like is he Tony Allen is he you know nobody thought that he would be I mean if you told me in year two of, of Russell Westbrook you're like hey Al he's he's gonna average a triple double for years and he's gonna break these records and he's gonna win the scoring title if I had told you that you'd be like you are you're losing your mind like that's there's no right. way he could do all that and the reason that he got there was because of the mentality that is ultimately going to destroy him <laughs> you know like that is ultimately the it's like the reason he got to the top and it's the reason that he is going to plummet to the bottom and that's why i agree and that's why i going back to what i started with like i hope he at least has some moment similar to ai cuz ai didn't change either right he, when when he played with detroit memphis philly like he was still the same guy yep and that led to him leaving the league earlier mhm but he still did have that final moment, which, as an Iverson fan, I'll always remember and is like an important part of his story. It like bookended that career. That's why I kind of hope he just has that at the very least, because I'm feeling less and less hopeful that he can like go to another team and just rebound and all of a sudden look like you know Washington Wizard Russ from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's, I mean, Iverson was 34 when that happened. Russ is 33. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we may not be that far away. I think he plays out his contract. I mean, I guess maybe he doesn't if they wave and stretch him. <laughs> maybe maybe he doesn't oh play out his contract. But my <laughs> guess is that he will be on a team making that money next year that they will figure out something. Now, the longer he bounces around, the harder it is to trade him. Yeah. You might have to give up an asset to get rid of him, you know, at this point. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be nice if like we were having this type of season in like two years, and it felt like Russ. Like that's where you could imagine a scenario: Russ signing like for the last ten games of the Thunder season, and coming back and just playing ten games, yeah, and then retiring. Yeah, it, it it doesn't feel like it's lining up that way. I mean, I think by the time Russ is actually retiring, the Thunder are going to be good, and so yeah. it's not going to make sense. Uh, you think but, he'd come off the bench for the Thunder? <laughs> no <laughs> I don't I don't think so either right now it'd be a great time I'm sure Trey Mann <laughs> would perfectly be fine stepping aside for Russ <laughs> Trey Mann last night as a quick aside was just it's so funny to watch up like we're like right there and you get to hear every argument they have with the officials and Trey is just like still like so quiet and like polite and like really trying to plead his case and the officials just are like yeah whatever Mark Degnault is like constantly yelling at the officials. If if anybody embodies what we said, like the Thunder don't have, it's Mark. Like he's constantly yelling. This this poor official named Leon last night was just getting getting the business last night from Mark. It's actually pretty funny. Mark is pretty animated. Oh, he's he's great. I'm I'm a it I can't help but laugh every time he gets just super duper pissed at the 
officials. Do you think? Do you think he'll ever wear something different than the the quarter zip? Well, he doesn't pick out his outfit. What? Yeah, it's picked out by the equipment manager. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They all wear the same thing. Oh, weird. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So, yeah. Nah, he didn't. He he wore the sweater last night. He's wearing the sweater. Oh, the sweater that okay. has the has a little loop on the back. Um, Very cool. But yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I think we've reached the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys are doing well. We will have another podcast for you on Friday, and we'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.